Hi, I'm Pat. Welcome to Passion of the Geeks Unplugged. And I am back with another episode of Getting Into Retro Gaming. Because I got a lot of feedback and I had a couple of really great discussions with people, especially on Twitter. Some in open feeds, but most of them through direct messaging. And that was great. Thanks a lot for that. Sure, this might be because a huge part of my Twitter bubble is from the retro gaming community and I might have poked a hornet's nest. <laughs> anyway, as I said, really great discussions, so thank you. If you haven't contacted me on Twitter yet, but want to, my Twitter handle is at pat9496. Last time I suggested that DOS might be the easiest system when you want to get into retro gaming because it is easy to get your games legally. And being legal is something that is very important to me. And yes, DOS has a couple of uh, things you need to learn about it. And I tried to cover the basics last time. Most of the time, however, if you buy a DOS game from a serious digital store, like GOG or Steam, it usually comes pre-configured and you don't need to concern yourself with configuration shenanigans. Also, especially in its heyday when DOS used 256 color VGA and sound cards, the amount of um, time your brain needs to get into the zone is greatly diminished. Compared, for example, with the system I want to talk about today. The C64, the Commodore 64, also commonly known as the Breadbox. Introduced in 1982 and released here in Europe roughly a year later, the C64 was a huge hit, especially in mainland Europe. Everyone who had a home computer had a C64. Well, uh, at least as far as I remember. My own access to this wonderful machine was a little later, however. 1985 or 86, I can't pinpoint it exactly. It had graphics and sounds like no other device I had experienced before. The Atari 2600 looked dated and obsolete in my eyes. And much like a console, it was basically plug and play. Unlike DOS years later, you didn't have to configure anything. And you didn't have to make sure you had enough conventional memory or what IRQ your sound card needed. You just had to insert the disk and type load quotation mark asterisk quotation mark comma eight comma one and the game would start. I mean, if you actually had a disk drive, a lot of people only had a tape drive, cassette tapes. So the game loaded in uh, 
let's say 20 minutes, give or take a couple. But the games were worth it. Indeed, I still think that the C64 is, in my opinion, an excellent starting point, if you want to get into retro gaming chronologically. This is probably as far back as I would go with a retro newbie, because this is where games, again, in my opinion, started to go away from their simple arcade roots and become more complex and, and deeper. Still, arcade classics can be found in the C64 as well. Now, again, like with DOS, I highly suggest starting your journey into the wonderful world of the Commodore 64 by using emulation. And the emulator Vice has established itself as a sort of de facto standard for the C64 emulation, even though I personally would recommend an emulator called Denise. I'll give you links to both emulators in our show notes. By the way, if you are a pro retro gamer and have used Vice for probably as long as you can remember, still give Denise a try. Maybe you'll like it. Through the magic of emulation, you also no longer need to remember the commands you need to start a game. The emulator does that for you. Also, emulation speeds up the tape loading significantly, from 20 minutes to something like 20 milliseconds. The speed increase with disc-based games is not quite as dramatic, though as after the initial loader, which usually is a lot faster, the disc needs to stay in the original speed for compatibility reasons. So, might tape games be the better option when using emulation? Hmm, perhaps. If you don't want to hassle with switching discs or uh, turning your virtual discs to side B, then yes, probably. Tape games usually didn't allow you to save your games, but that is no problem with emulation, as you can use save states. Hmm. More complex games usually do come with a number of discs that reload often because the game no longer fits into the memory of the C64. I mean, if you still have your C64 cassette somewhere, it is the easiest way to get the games on your PC. Grab some sort of cassette deck, hook it up to the sound in jack of your computer and use one of several tools to record and convert your game into a file. Just Google for C64 tape to file converters. Discs are harder because even if you have a five and a quarter inch floppy drive, your computer probably cannot read the format. Sadly, there are not that many places where you can legally buy old C64 games. There are some compilations out there, but Singer games or specific games are next to impossible to find. But there is one thing 
I want to suggest. Let's call it pseudo-retro gaming. And that is actually the reason why I think that C64 is also a great way to start your retro gaming journey. The C64 scene is still very much alive and there are really great C64 games released every year. And those are really easy to get. I highly suggest the itch.io store. It's not primarily a C64 or retro gaming store, but it's very easy to find new C64 games on there. And here is why I think pseudo-retro is such a great way to get into retro gaming. These games use the same technologies that were used back then. I mean, of course, they run on real hardware. But these games use a lot of modern game design philosophies, or at least try to position them a bit in that gap between modern gaming and retro gaming, while still using real 8-bit technology. And this bridging the gap, I think, makes the C64 another really great way to get into retro gaming. Of course, there is also the C64 Mini and the C64 Maxi that provide C64 emulation in the form of a pre-packaged, pre-configured mini console. But I think that's a topic for another episode of Getting Into Retro Gaming. So this is it for this week. If you liked this episode of Passion of the Geeks Unplugged, then I would love to hear some feedback from you. Let me know what you think through Twitter at PassionOTGeeks or by mail to passionofthegeeks at gmail.com. Or you can reach me directly on Twitter at pet. 9496. We're on all major podcasting services and, of course, on www.passionofthegeeks.com and on YouTube. So, thank you for listening and take care. <laughs>